We're going to be beginning a new mimer, a mimer on the parasha of Emor, <clears throat> this week's coming parasha, and discusses korbonos, a korban, commonly translated as sacrifice, but it's not the exact translation at all. The word korban comes from the shoresh kufresh base, which means closeness. The Hebrew word karov, something that's close to you, or lekarev, to bring close to you. A korban is something that's brought close to Hashem. So although we talk about in context of a sacrifice, because the methodology was, in fact, to offer it by way of burning it and raising it to a higher madriga, as we shall discuss, we have to understand that every single aspect of the Korban's offering, the manner in which it was treated, the way it was waved, as we'll see in this case, the fact that it was brought with bread, as in this case, that the fact that the bread should be above the actual meat of the Korban, which in this case is a sheep. Everything is significant at a higher spiritual level. It's not just the, the antiquated notion of old-fashioned people giving sacrifices in former tribal times of cavemen. Far from it. This is highly sophisticated. And I'm hoping that through, during the course of this moment, we'll have a better understanding of what a korban really is. So the Altarever begins this moment and says the verse, the Hanifa Kohen, the Kohen, the high priest, will have to wave some them, he has to wave the bread over the offering over the, the two lambs that were going to be the two sheep that were going to be the subject of the korban. So at first glance, there's just an idea of a, um, a some sort of tribal ritual form of giving a, a, a sacrifice to one's God. Visa the Gemara, but the Gemara says, Shahalecha Lamaila, the bread has to be specifically placed above, and he waves, what does it mean, waves, waves, the bread and the uh, uh, lamb, and the bread has to be on top. Let's try to understand why the combination of bread and the lamb. And both of these have to be part of a waving process. So let's first look about the, uh, the nature of the korban. We're talking about sheep. He's going back to basics. What's the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is that the exercise here at this realm is that the somethingness of creation becomes subservient to the nothingness of creation. What does that mean? The idea of bitul, absolute humility or complete annulment, that there is a complete annulment, a self-annulment to godliness and every element of creation also should practice such annulment. And to be able to draw such an annulment into the being requires a degree of consciousness, self-consciousness. And yet, annulment means the removal of any consciousness of self. 
So it's going to be an interesting uh, irony that we're going to have to draw out. And this, mo this uh, process of annulment of everything to something higher occurs at each of the worlds, at each of the levels, according to their degree of substantiality. The least substantial that the creation is, or the more spiritual, the degree of annulment, of course, is doesn't require as much an effort. Whereas here on Earth, where the sense of self is most profound, we require a much greater degree of effort in order to practice that self-annulment. So he explains this and he says, Annulment here we call bitul. The word levatel or bitul means to annul something, to submerge something in something greater so it loses its own identity. Ultimately, the purpose is that we should find annulment in the face of the greatness of godliness. And by being humble and annulling ourselves, or lowering our sense of substantiality and corporeality of me, of I, the ego abnegation that we speak about, you reach a state of closeness and actually become part of something bigger, something greater of godliness. And to make this a true combination so that I and God enter into a state of oneness. Let's look at an analogy. An analogy is, for example, how the limbs of the body are with respect to the soul that animates it. The limbs have the soul animating them, causing them then to move according to our desire. Own, the only force that allows them to move is that animating force of the soul that flows through them. And therefore, the limbs are completely annulled in the face of the animating force that brings them to a state of motion. In other words, what we're saying here is, when you say, okay, stretch out your hand, did you ask permission? Did the limbs ask permission of the soul? Now, shall I stretch out my hand? No, it was immediate because the limbs are completely subservient to the soul, which is the you who expresses, I want to extend my hand. So the limbs have a complete sense of subservience to the force that animates them. That is the kind of relationship that we're talking about in terms of trying to acquire, in terms of our sense of self in the face of godliness. And therefore, we can see that when we speak in terms of the human being, we talk, talk about the, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, flow of the soul, which animates it, we can see that clearly it is the dominant factor and anything that it animates is completely subservient to it. However, in human nature, we aren't that degree subservient. Yes, our limbs to the soul are, but what about us, us as a whole being? Do we abnegate our ego easily? Do we, are we able to 
take the sense of self and make it become part of the otherness of the world? Is it easy for us to lose our self-identity and follow instructions from above? It's very hard. In fact, we find the, quite the opposite when it comes to human nature. We all want to do what we want to do. And to achieve a state where we have no desire but God's desire, now that's a very, very difficult process for us to be able to uh, um, uh, capture and carry out. Whereas, if you compare it to an animal, an animal does have a high degree of subservience compared to human being. For example, when you domesticate an animal, the animal carries out the instructions of its human uh, uh, guide and does exactly what the guide wants. The animal itself is much more prepared to annul its nature in the face of the dominance of the human being. But human beings themselves, we have a different nature and we find that very, very hard to be able to do in our own right. And why is it that animals are able to practice a greater degree of humility, you might say, than a human being does? And there's a very profound spiritual reason for this. It's not that they're weaker, not at all. Because the very source of the animal comes from a much higher place. Remember, animals are from the world of Tohu, which is much higher than the world of Tikkun. The human being is from the world of Tikkun. Tohu is much higher. And therefore, since it's sourced in the highest level of Tohu, it descends further and therefore appears in this world to be something lower than the human being and acts as such. And therefore, because it is ultimately truer than the human being, it's subservient. Because at the highest levels, everything is subservient to Hashem without any uh, problem. So when it comes down here, it's more subservient than the human being who derives from the world of Tikkun, which is not as high a place, and therefore it therefore descends not as low as an animal. So it appears that the human being is superior to the animal. But in this instance, what happens is because it's not from that same high source, we have greater difficulty in practicing the truth of subservience to Hashem, which an animal by nature possesses and has. This is only true within the animal world. And therefore they do what we want them to do, and it's because they come from this very, very high source. Because they came from this very high source, and fell lower, as I explained earlier, now the Altarebbe repeats what I said, but inside here, lower than the Adam's descent, therefore it comes down to a level below a human being, where a human being is able to dominate the animal. 
So that explains that why it is that the animal is can be tamed, and yet for a human being to be tamed, so to speak, is a much, much harder task. Now, come back to the subject matter. What is it that a carbon, we commonly call sacrifice, but we're going to say now the elevation of an animal, what is it really all about? We took the animal, we placed it on the altar, in order that we now elevate the very essence of the animal aspect back to its source. As it is at formative stage, when before it came down, when it was completely subservient. The whole process of Korbanus is an elevation process of the essence of the animal to its highest source. And now we have to understand, why are we choosing these particular animals? We're choosing sheep. Why didn't we choose, uh, uh, as we do on occasion, goat? Uh, or sometimes uh, an, an, another animal. Um, why are we choosing lions, for example? All the carbonus ultimately came from cattle and sheep. But not from the wild animals, as we call them. Because the cattle demonstrates a greater degree of subservience and potential humility than does the wild beast. That's why the beast is a wild beast, because it doesn't have that degree of humility. It doesn't come from as high a source. And that's why it still possesses a level of its own self-regard down here. And it's much more difficult, if impossible, to actually tame. And yet, even amongst the tameable animals, we still choose from amongst them in this instant sheep, not a goat, for example. Why is that? Because if we were to choose another beast, an ox, that comes from the left side of Yechezkel's vision of the four faces in front of the chariot. Remember we discussed that? And what we discussed was that on the left was the face of the ox, which becomes the basis of all the animals that have a degree of body strength, which is Gvura, Bichinus Gvuros, and they also have a certain sense of personal identity and strength. They can gore another animal or even a human being. And a goat also has its own level of personal strength, a certain stubbornness, which again is not as malleable as sheep. But when we speak about sheep, then we're talking about a degree of humility, a degree of compassion itself that is the highest or the most powerful amongst this classification of animal that we talk about, tameable animal or usable animal. And we find this interestingly in association with the discussion of Yaakov, Jacob. It says at one stage, the Yaakov chose sheep. When he was living with Lovon, he took sheep, separated a certain kind of sheep for himself and others. He left for Lovon. And that means that somehow sheep and Yaakov are interrelated in this way. 
And we know that Yaakov is the middle of Tiferes. We know Abraham is Chesed, Yitzchak is Bevora, Yaakov is Tiferes. So Abraham is the one who practices Chesed, kindness. Yitzchak is the one who practices strength, that's Gevura. But when it comes to Yaakov, it's compassion. And that compassion combines the above two. So when we speak in terms of Yaakov and sheep, we're talking about compassion and compassion. We even identify these, these by sound. The sheep bleats. It's like a very soft sound, a very pleading sound. That's because it comes from a very high place where it is subservient. The source of compassion at the highest spiritual level, and it's manifested in the sheep. Therefore, when it descended to the physical level of this world, it still maintained that, that identification even through its sound, through the voice. And not only that, sheep are weak. They're not strong like an ox, and that weakness, physical weakness, also is associated with compassion. Not weak in character, but the idea of being able to be sensitive to the otherness. And that's why within the sheep we can find the example of complete bitl. So this opening section, firstly, raised the question of what is a korban. We understand a korban means to bring something close to Hashem. And it explains that the, at the highest spiritual level, everything is subservient to God. But at the highest level, it fell to the lowest level. So those things which are lower here, which means originate higher there, have those capacities to practice self-nullification more so than the things that didn't fall as low down, like a human being. And the human being doesn't have that degree of self-disavowal as does a sheep. And why sheep? Because of all these tameable animals, the sheep is the one that practices uh, that degree of subservience most. And that's because it's innate compassion, as we see it's in association with Yaakov, who represents compassion. To be continued.